Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Franchise Euphoria. Josh Brown here. Today's episode is brought to you by Franchise 5. Why Franchise 5? I'm glad you asked. Growing your franchise in a slow, deliberate, and thoughtful manner is a smart way to grow. Franchise 5 helps you do this by expanding five locations at a time with a zen-like focus on the geographic locations that make sense for your growth. To learn more about this, go to FranchiseEuphoria.com forward slash Franchise 5. That's the number five. So FranchiseEuphoria.com forward slash Franchise 5. Now to today's episode. Hello, hello, hello. Josh Brown here. Today I am super excited because I have one of the most unique interviews I've ever done. I'm interviewing Joe Danini today, who is the founder of Legal Value Firm, a general practice law firm with attorneys practicing in a professional retail environment, giving clients greater access to legal services in a branded environment. This is a franchise, ladies and gentlemen. It's a franchise law firm. And I think it's the first of its kind. And, you know, it's interesting, and I mentioned this during the interview, but because I'm a franchise lawyer, sometimes people mistake that for, wow, you have a franchised law firm. No, I just focus on the area of franchising, but this actually is a franchised law firm, as you'll learn from the interview. But they opened their doors in January 2014 and quickly shifted to the franchise model after receiving a positive response from their community. Joe himself, who came up with the idea as an experienced attorney, entrepreneur, educator, and business consultant, and has assisted clients in key areas of business creation, development, operations, and finance. The Legal Value franchise is committed to redefining the legal industry by working with like-minded, licensed attorneys in states where they are approved to do business who want to grow, convert, or start practices under the legal value firm brand. So this is a really interesting interview. Obviously, the prospects here that the legal value firm are looking for are actual attorneys to become part of their system. But one of the things I I really enjoyed in talking with Joe is that you can just hear his passion uh, about what he's doing and how he's put it together, the hoops he's had to jump through. And I just find this interview to be very, very interesting and certainly unique in terms of me uh, interviewing somebody with this kind of a business model. So hope you enjoy it. I know I really enjoyed talking with Joe and without further ado, here's the interview. Hi, Joe. Welcome to Franchise Euphoria. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. Yourself? I'm doing great. I'm, I'm thrilled to have you on. I mean, you're the founder of Legal Value Firm, a general practice law firm that is a franchise law firm. And it's funny because with my area of focus being franchising for my firm, sort of as my niche, I will get people who, when they say, you know, what kind of lawyer are you? What do you do? I say, oh, I'm a franchise lawyer. And they go, wait a minute, you've franchised your law firm? I've never heard of that. I go, no, 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 no. I haven't done that. (laughs) I'm just a, I'm a lawyer that has a franchise niche practice. So I work with people who are looking to franchise and who have franchised or, you know, considering buying into a franchise. Oh, they go, oh, okay. And they go, well, that would be interesting. Have you ever heard of a franchise law firm? And I go, I've never heard of one, but (laughs) now I have Joe and it's you. Well, that has changed as of now. So yeah, great, great. Well, 
Yeah, a franchise law firm, you know, to the best of our knowledge, has not existed, but we believe that we're the ones that are sort of trying to change the delivery of legal services with this offering. And not the answer for everyone, but definitely we believe it's the answer for for some in terms of the benefits, which I can get into, you know, that this type of offering sets forth. And just for a point of clarification, We are a franchise company, but in the state of California, we're actually licensing. And as a franchise attorney, I'm sure you you know the difference between the two legally. um, We're treating our offering in California as if it was a franchise. In other words, we're you know doing the compliance issues with the FDD, the franchise disclosure documents, etc. But technically, we are a license in California, and the only other state that we're launching in right now um, is Arizona. And in Arizona we are a franchise. So just sort of potato, potato, but legally, technically, there are two differences there. All right. So I've got tons of questions, but before we dive into the actual firm and the setup, tell everybody a little bit about you. You're a lawyer. You've been practicing for you know 20 years plus. Tell me a little bit about you and sort of your practice and then and then what led you to this to this new model. Well, yeah, I've been practicing 22 years and my practice itself was more on the corporate side. I deal with a lot of businesses of various sizes on a lot of different business issues in various industries, franchising actually being one of them. And I also have taught as a law professor, both full-time and as an adjunct. And it was during my time of teaching when the legal education market was changing. And I also started to notice the practice, you know, changing in certain pockets and opportunities shifting. So I thought, well, you know, there's got to be a different way that we might be able to deliver legal services, not ignoring technology, but still relying on bricks and mortar because a lot of our clients, we've learned in hindsight, really like, you know, when they're dealing with legal issues to see and talk to a real life human being. We use technology as a complement, not as a replacement. So we're definitely different in that regard. So as for me, back to your original question, I've been practicing a long time. I've also served as a general counsel uh, in California and Hawaii for the Remax brand for a long time, which is a very large franchisor. We had quite a, a number of locations by the time I had left uh, Remax. I think we were a little over 400. So had been not just as an attorney outside, but an attorney inside in the franchise space, seeing both the business and legal you know, aspects. And I thought maybe there's a way that we could take that and transpose it into the legal industry, giving clients something that they want, which is access, affordability, transparency, giving attorneys something that hopefully they want, which is growth, support systems, things that a typical franchise you know, offers franchisees. So by taking some of my previous experiences and understanding or trying to understand a little bit about where the legal market was going, both from an education perspective and practically from you know lawyers and what they were experiencing, blending the two into this legal value firm model is what we started. And quite frankly, when we began, which was uh, we're going to be in our sixth year in 2019, we had people interested, attorneys, that's all that can be interested as far as owning one. Um, but we sort of slowed down because we didn't want to sell anything too fast, too soon, because we didn't even know if it was going to work in year one. Fast forward to where we are now, we you know, have crossed our T's, dotted our I's, so to speak, in terms of really living the day-to-day and seeing what the model is about, which I'm you know, happy to share some of the highlights. But 
learning more about what it's like to operate a law firm in a retail setting and what's involved with not just client development that way, but also operations and running the practice and being able to operate in that sort of capacity. So that's that's kind of what led us to or led me to, you know, the, my background, the evolution, the birth of the legal value firm concept, and what we're trying to do now with launching our franchise license program to really give attorneys an opportunity to capitalize on something that we've tapped into. So walk me through the offering, essentially. So so I am an attorney, but let's say I'm an attorney, I'm reaching out, I'm interested, I'm your ideal prospect, okay? Let's just say a <clears throat> And I'm looking for, you know, I want to do the legal work, but I don't want to deal with the branding. I don't want to deal with, you know, going and and doing the digital marketing or any kind of marketing to find clients. What is the offering at the end of the day that you're offering to two lawyers? In a summary, our value proposition boils down to the business side of law, not business law as a practice area, but the business of the law firm. And what we're offering is an opportunity for someone who has some experience, you know, maybe at least a few years of legal experience who wants to be in business for themselves, but not by themselves. We'll offer not only in our retail setting, something that we've seen is approximately half of our business comes from walk-ins. So that's a great introduction to a client and converting these prospects into actual clients is a a pretty high rate. So being in a retail setting in a very branded environment, we all love brands. You know, you can make the argument Anybody can make a sandwich, but there's Subway. Anybody can make a cup of coffee, but there's Starbucks, etc. So we find that people feel comfortable in our, we have a certain color scheme that was researched to evoke certain emotions, which interestingly enough, when people independently validate that, it's always nice to hear. Um, But coming in, not just to our physical plant, but to the type of service operation. In other words, you know, we're not a library. Unfortunately, we can't give out advice all day long. We wouldn't exist, but we have systems in place to when we do get walk-ins in in quite a bit, like I said, how to handle that. Then we also have systems in place for the other part of the business that's not walk-in in terms of building community relationships. And we go through a process of different events and different types of outlets that we engage in in order to help support, develop, build the business. Well, once you have the business, which is obviously the nucleus or the the major important starting point, what you do with that, in other words. We're open. Our firm is 10 to 7, Monday through Friday. We open a little bit later for the retail aspect um, and close a little bit later for the same reason. And operating your business in terms of certain types of formats, whether it's it's certain um, intake procedures to how to handle a file, to how to close out a file, to how to manage the business side of law from the things that a lot of lawyers don't like dealing with, with you know accounting and numbers, business planning, strategy. We're there to offer support and resources on all of those different business aspects, given the unique dynamic of how clients, like I said, approximately half are coming just from the fact that we exist and walking in our doors. And again, you know, there's always um, nuances, but we have had one thing that we have learned is we get clients like a bank of all different socioeconomic backgrounds from people who might need legal aid and they're not really a good fit because we can't help them and they're a better candidate, you know, for something like that. So a lot of people who are, you know, middle of the road that may be either struggling, affluent to people who could afford 20 of everything we offer 10 times over, but like the access, they love coming into a branded environment where they feel comfortable because we 
refocus not just on quality legal service, which is up to the independent judgment of the practitioner, but quality customer service. And we have protocols and different systems in place to effectuate what we want the client to receive from a customer service perspective um, in terms of how they're handled and treated as a prospect, as an actual client, throughout their file, emails. And we have a plethora of templates that obviously, you know, no two files are alike, need to be customized. But part of, back to your question, is those systems. We have a lot of business systems in place from client development, operations, practice, maintenance that are designed to be um, a support tool to save time, which in turn saves money. And then the other value propositions over time as we grow the brand will be strengthened in a brand itself as it grows like any brand that starts at zero and you know grant gets more locations. And as you also get that, another value proposition is you have a network to share ideas, share problems, share concerns, as there's other lawyers in the network um, over time, like in any you know typical franchise system. So those are some of the highlights of, of the value that we offer in the offering. So tell me about the retail side of it. I mean, I think it's interesting. I I I I would never thought of that, but what what was the thinking about making these retail settings? In other words, I mean, if you're providing the 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 business side of law, obviously you could do that in a lot of different ways. What was the uh, intrigue or what was the thinking behind setting these up as retail locations in malls or another strip center. Other professional say. services have done it historically, like H&R Block Accounting, you know, Liberty Tax Accounting. Dental has done it in certain uh, brands as well. And with my background in franchising and with franchise brands, the question just simply became, why can't it be done with law? And if it can, let's figure out how. So, I think that was probably the impetus, really. It wasn't anything too involved as to what um, was focused on retail. But what we've learned now in hindsight over the past five years is we used to always, our, our four bullet points were attorneys, mostly flat fees, wide range of legal services, professional retail environment. And ironically, that last one, and they were in no particular hierarchy, but that last one, really, when we question people or hear their organic comments, is they love the access. They love being able to drive into a parking lot, come right into a professional space, and you know whether it's drop-off documents, meet with an attorney. It just gives them a sense, in their words, they don't feel intimidated or overwhelmed. And I would always be surprised at that comment you know, when I first heard it once or twice, but now I've heard it tons of times, because in my traditional personal practice, that was a precursor to legal value firm that I have on my own. I still do. I never thought in my traditional office tower, you know, with the receptionist and, you know, that barrier there with the elevator and, you know, reception, et cetera, that I was intimidating or overwhelming. I'm still the same attorney, but it's part of that physical plant that ties to the perception that, People feel brands and, and like we've had people even ask, which blew uh, my mind. Uh, well, we've had people ask, you know, is this a franchise? And we'd say, well, we're in the process of gearing that up. But we actually had one person a couple of years ago be like, yeah, I've been in one of these before. And we're like, how? You know, it's impossible, but we didn't want to, you know, continue the debate there. We're like, okay, we, we shared with them, they're, you know, they're, this is the only one. They're like, no, 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 there was one, you know, I think down in Orange County, I was in a legal value firm before. So, it's that perception of, of something they know or familiarity, just like any franchise system. You know, it just gives that backup to their perception or that validity to their perception, and it's that access. So the direct answer to your question, you know, is access 
in the retail environment is a major factor coupled with the branding and the systems. Well, so I know you had said a wide ranging of of services offered. Obviously, being in the retail sector and being in a place where where people can walk in. Tell me, typically, I mean, is there? There's probably a wide range, and I and I saw your website. It looks like there's a wide range of services. But does a lot of this fall into the camp of you know, somebody walking in and wanting to find out about doing you know a simple will or some sort of a trust and estate documents, or you know maybe they're you know they've got a they've got a business dispute or something like that or do you do you guys find that it's skewed one way or the other you know in our experience and obviously that's all i can base it off of in our experience what's interesting is you know some weeks may feel more skewed to a particular practice area but on balance it's really like that forest gump analogy of the box of chocolates you never know what you're going to get <laughs> and it really is uh, truly Eclectic. I mean, that's been one of the learning experiences for me is understanding and really listening to clients and what their perception is of lawyers and what they want from a lawyer. And what I find as far as your question goes with the practice areas, you know, first of all, with our offering, we cannot control practice areas. Um, you start getting into state bar rules in most states about the independent judgment of a lawyer and their file and what they can choose to practice or not. So we kind of steer clear of any mandates or directives in the, the practice area. With that stated, though, we do suggest that you have some general practice areas because you do get, you know, in your neighborhood communities, estate planning is popular. You get a lot of, um, disputes, you know, you get evictions, you get some business formation contract reviews. Now in our particular case, and it's not to say another legal value firm wouldn't offer this, but like we do get a fair amount of workers comp, immigration, um, some of those areas. We just don't have the resources, meaning attorneys that practice in those areas um, to accommodate. So attorneys love us because we serve as a conduit to share you know, by giving their names out in the community, um, you know, and vice versa. Um, we get a lot of referrals from attorneys that don't necessarily handle general practice that might be more specialized. So, yeah, I mean, you can pick, short answer is you can pick what practice areas you, the attorney, want to engage in. We recommend there's more than one for two reasons. One reason is just financial. It makes sense to diversify somewhat. doesn't mean you have to be a specialist, you know, like in your case, offering franchise law. That's not an everyday occurrence of what someone wants when they walk in, but your general practice areas. And number two, it's because as you get to know people in the community, they have multiple needs. So rather than turning those those multiple needs away, you can capture that and serve it. And arguably, if it gets to be out of your wheelhouse, there are other options with you know hiring attorneys or independent contractors if there's a need. But that's a case by case you know analysis. So obviously, as as you alluded to, I mean, you know, when you're talking about legal services, I mean every every state has its own ethics rules, you know, rules of ethics and so forth. And it might be a licensed attorney in one state, but not in the other. I'm curious with the model, because obviously with a franchise or franchise-like model, you're typically dealing with shared revenues or royalties of some sort. How are you guys working through that and then also doing that in a way so that you're not running afoul of some of these rules that are done state by state? That's an excellent question. And that was one of my number one concerns because obviously we wanted to make sure we were transparent and that the state bars know exactly what we're doing. And if they had any concerns, 
to share that with us so we could adapt our model to ensure that there's uh, you know minimal risk or ambiguity in any interpretation of compliance. So in Arizona, our first reach out when we were getting set up there, it was to the bar and we worked with ethics council, you know, and um, making sure we actually exhibited recently at their annual convention. So we got to know a lot of the folks um, at the state bar of Arizona and um, in, in the process of just going through what we're doing to make sure that they didn't have any concerns that jumped out at them. So that was very important to me because I've spent my entire career playing by the rules and I didn't want anything to be interpreted or to, um, you know, be equated to a problem from a state bar perspective. In California, which is literally about 10 times the size of Arizona in terms of attorney population, um, we spent 18 months with the DBO, Department of Business Oversight, also got involved with the state bar, higher level executives in terms of making sure they knew what we were doing. And because of an 18-month process with DBO, Department of Business Oversight, they had some concerns or comments that could be perceived to be questioned under a particular rule. For example, fee splitting, because our company is not a legal company. Legal value firm is a law firm, but our franchise offering company, license offering company is just a business. It's not a law firm. It doesn't practice law. It's designed to basically sell and support licensees and franchisees. So we changed our fee structure. We were doing percentages. We are flat fee based, and that's all listed and detailed in our offering. But those that's just one example of, a, of probably about three or four that through our... So you're not... So so just to break that down for a second, I think I get where you're going. So essentially, there there's, there's prohibitions in many states with sharing revenues, in particular, sharing revenues with non-attorneys, right? So... So the issue was you were running into a situation, it sounds like, where you are a the legal value firm is a law firm, but the franchisor business doing providing the systems, the actual franchise is not a law firm. And so there's an issue with a a franchisee lawyer that's part of the legal value firm then sharing revenues with a non-lawyer. That was raised as a hypothetical potential argument. So in order to minimize that or dispel it as much as we could, we just can appreciate that perspective. It's not a slam dunk. You know, there's the other side is that it's analogous to rent that you pay rent to a vendor. You're just paying a franchise fee. And, you know, the counter to that, there was obviously your rent typically isn't a percentage. Some, some landlords may charge percentage of revenues as an add-on, but that's becoming less and less likely in today's more modern landscape. So we simply just said, you know, to minimize or avoid any argument in any other jurisdictions, California being obviously a, a, a major jurisdiction in the U.S., one of the largest, um, yeah, we adapted to a flat fee structure with our um, royalties, our license fees slash franchise fees. And it was a good process to work with the state. Like I said, it took 18 months uh, because we're novel and new and they've never had to deal with a law firm franchising either. So as we're breaking ground and creating a new dynamic, we wanted to make sure that we built it with you know, concrete, so to speak, as opposed to building it on water, because, you know, and, and as I've, you know, been working simultaneously with the state of California, um, they're aware that, you know, we want our licensees to, you know, 
we're going to treat them like franchisees. So we're going, I guess my point there is just to say that we're being ultra conservative in how we're offering it, even though the state of California is not deeming us to operate under the franchise landscape that we're operating under the license landscape, we're treating it like a franchise. No, I think it's really interesting. I mean, how, so how do you deal with, and again, I'm just going to pepper you with a bunch sure. of questions here. <laughs> Fire away. Um, and I'm sure you've been asked all these, but as an example, like with client information, client confidence, like somebody comes to a legal value firm, uh, franchisee, is that information, you know, the information even as basic as who those clients are, is that then shared with the franchise or, or is that kept? Nope, it actually even says in our franchise agreement, license agreement that we don't, and what ties to this by going to a flat fee structure, we don't need like other franchisors that do an, a percentage of revenues on their royalty where they want to see what your sales were to see that, you know, reporting and compliance were proper. We don't even need to need to know the name of the client. So we minimize the risk of interfering with any state bar rules and confidentiality. Um, every legal value firm will have its own client base. They will keep their own billing, their own invoices. But now we'll show them generically, you know, as part of that support in the business realm of what they should be doing. But when they apply or inject their own clients, their client files, we will not have any need or requirement or just even anecdotally uh, have to have any of that information that would strictly be kept with the owner. Um, you know, we will know aggregate revenues, but not tied to a client. And then what about non-competes? Because, you know, typically, obviously with lawyers, non-competes um, are, are, are not allowed typically. But it's interesting here because, right, if you've got, you've got the business side of it, but you've also got the legal side, are, are, the, are the franchisees signing non-competes and then what is that what does that look well like? there is in in california it's almost virtually impossible from an employee perspective to enforce a non-compete from a owner type perspective meaning you had some ownership in a business that exists but with limitations so in our particular case we are going to be protecting what we're deeming our trade secrets and our business process and methodology that we're going to be sharing with them. Um, if anybody, you know, I'm assuming you mean like if they left the system, you know, fast forwarding and yeah, like they leave and all of a sudden their clients want to come with them. I would presume there's, there's no, no way for no us way to stop that. To you know, clients are free to to go with them and choose. The only thing that we would be able to enforce in in that. And hopefully, hopefully this scenario, of course, it could happen. And there's a probability in any franchise system, it does happen, but we'll be working hard to support them and to partner with them so that if they're profitable and, and satisfied, that that minimizes that risk that we have somebody trying to take our IP and use it outside of our system. But I think to directly answer your question is no, clients can go wherever they want. The clients would be, you know, part of the attorney, not part of the asset of the uh, franchisor. The only thing the franchisor would be de-identification, non-use of marks, coupled with um, any use of any legal value from proprietary, you know, systems or technology on the business side. And then, so how many franchisees or licensees do you have right now? We literally just got through the 18 month process with California. So we couldn't, as you know, you can't offer nor sell until you, you know, have some finality to a process um, in the form of in a registration state, the approval. So we are literally just going to be launching. We've been 
putting together our uh, strategic plan, our business plan, and we're now just going to be implementing it. Arizona, we put it together a little bit uh, earlier because we've had more, it was a less involved process. Arizona is not a registration state in the franchise world. So short answer is we don't have any yet. We're just launching. So we're, we've had interest, but obviously that interest has got to be converted into actual licensees, franchisees. The, the good part for us is we have a very very narrowed franchisee prospect. In other words, it's only it's got to be a member of the State Bar of California, and we have approximately two hundred and twenty thousand of those in California. But we realize that a a lot of those people will not either be interested, have a different direction, or in a different field, meaning they may be judges, academics, you know, just not government employees, etc. So for us, it's a very small fraction of a fraction of a fraction of 1% for us to be very successful in California over the next few years. So we're excited that we're just launching this offering, and now we can actually follow up and deal with people who have expressed interest that want to grow their practice. No, I think it's really interesting. I want to kind of stay in touch and, and and see how it goes. I mean, I've always, you know, just as evidence of the process you have to go through, I mean, the 18 months just in California, not even to mention, like, as an example, in Indiana, you know, I have to have my name in the law firm, right? I mean, I can't, I can't name my law firm anything I want. And I know there's other states that are like that as well. So I'm sure there's going to be other hurdles that you got to get over, but I think it's really interesting like i said i've been i've been asked about it in the context of what i do a bunch and then when when you had reached out or or, or somebody on your team had reached out i thought oh boy i really got to have joe on to talk about this no, I appreciate that because yeah, I we expect there, you know, every state has its own interpretation of its own rules that are state specific and, you know, we have a huge market in California, probably arguably the largest in the country for us. Um and we're excited about working that. We do in, intend, you know, our long-term plan would be obviously to go more than just Arizona and California and, you know, sustained over time, you know, growth into other states, but there are different issues with use of trade names. Fortunately, most state bars um, have e- evolved to where they do allow trade names. And and in fact, in California, as of uh, five days ago, November 1st, we just had a major overhaul of our state ethics rules. Our rules of professional responsibility have been evolved or updated. But that's a key focus for me is, you know, I guess the professor in me and the attorney just wants to play by the rules and make sure that the bars transparently know what we're doing. Because again, the way I look at it, you know, particularly having had my experience with the Remax brand and some other clients who are um, franchisors at my personal practice, is I truly, you know, look at this as not necessarily selling them a license or a franchise, but selling them a partnership where my focus is they're my client and we want to make them successful to the degree we can't guarantee it, but we can position them to follow our system. And hopefully if that occurs, that the result would be ideally that these attorneys can improve efficiencies and put more money in their pocket. And most importantly, serve the client to what today's, we believe today's client wants with access, transparency, affordability. And, you know, if we're successful in doing that, we believe that we will create a nice niche in the legal market and the delivery of legal services for years to come. 
Well, no, you know how on the franchise disclosure document on the typically on the on the cover page, it'll there'll be a disclaimer there that says, you know, this is a legal document. We highly recommend you seek your own independent legal counsel. I think you guys should have something that basically says, since we know you are an attorney, if you're considering hiring yourself, remember the old adage that only um, what is it? Only an idiot has himself as a client. <laughs> or, or only, or, you know, so in other words, in other words, I mean, that's sort of a, I'm saying that tug in cheek, right? Well, actually, it's funny you bring that up. I'm going to read to you on our state cover page as one of the ex- um, disclaimers that is to, I believe, to what you're referring to. It's usually one of the face pages at the front of the FDD. It says, as an attorney, you should and are expected to read this franchise disclosure document carefully. If any of the terms on the franchise franchise disclosure document and or its exhibits concern you, you should not purchase this franchise. (laughs) So in other words, it's like, if you can't read it, you don't like it, you know, as you know, in registration states, these are approved by the regulators. We're not going to be changing the offering. We believe the offering is extremely fair and it's designed to be able to position you for success. No guarantees, but position. So if you don't feel comfortable with it, you know, I don't want someone to go into this business marriage with hesitation or with, you know, I want everything transparent and disclosed because, you know, life is full of risks. All we do as attorneys and as an offering is to minimize them. And if we work together, hopefully the net result of that is, you know, personal satisfaction with the business, financial satisfaction with the income and making a difference in helping people in your community by really having like a neighborhood law firm. Joe, where if somebody if there's a if, if if there's attorneys out there who are listening and wanna wanna find out more information, should they just reach out to you at legalvaluefranchise.com? Well, yeah, we do have about five or six pages on our website, legalvaluefranchise.com, that breaks down, you know, um, information. It also gives them um, an investment range, highs of lows of what it costs to build the office out and, you know, just the, the offering value and includes the franchise fee. All that stuff is transparent on our website. But if somebody has more uh, specific questions, yeah, they're welcome. You know, uh, the website also has our phone number. My email is pretty easy. It's just joe at legalvaluefirm.com. They're welcome to shoot me an email and we could have a conversation. Well, I want to congratulate you too. You know, I often get asked, you know, when people find out I'm in the franchise space, they're like, what's the most interesting franchise you've ever heard of? And I've, I've, there's definitely some doozies out there. Um, and, uh, but I think yours is really interesting. Well, so do we, <laughs> and we hope that other attorneys agree. You know, if, if coming out of the gate is any indicator where we had a lot of, you know, I was doing some, uh, legal media, if you will, in the beginning, but it was a little bit, in my opinion, too fast, too soon. It sparked interest. And like I told you earlier, I didn't want to sell, you know, something built on water rather on concrete, so to speak. So I think once we're ready now to get out of the gate and start launching, of course, it's going to take time. We're selling a business opportunity, you know, not a cup of coffee, but we're confident that we'll find the right business partners who are entrepreneurial, want to own their own practice, but see the value in systems and, you know, being together as a group in the licensed franchise environment and seeing that value. And, you know, hopefully we'll be able to match up with those folks and really make a change. And again, not the answer for everybody. It's not like we're going to, you know, dominate the entire legal profession, but I think we have enough market share that we can capitalize on. So yeah, we would love to stay in touch with you. And who knows, maybe there'll be some in Indiana someday and you may need to uh, help us out with some franchise law there. 
Well, no, thank you so much for coming on. I really think, like I said, I think it's a fascinating concept. Would love for you to stay in touch and and maybe at some point here, you know, over the next six months or a year, if you want to reach back out, we'll do a follow-up episode and kind of see how things are things are going for you. Absolutely. Sure. We'd love to kind of do a yeah, fast forward and, and see. And hopefully we've got some traction by then and things are going well. And we'll have some lawyers who are, you know, growing the brand with us and uh, update you at that point. That sounds great, Joe. Thanks so much and have a wonderful day. Well, you too. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks for being with us today on the Franchise Euphoria podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to go to iTunes and provide a review. Also, please remember that although Josh Brown is a licensed and practicing attorney, nothing contained in this podcast should be construed as legal advice because it is not. The information contained in this podcast is general and educational in nature and none of it should be relied upon as legal advice. That being said, if you have questions for Josh and would like to contact him, please email him at josh at franchiseuphoria.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you tune in to our next weekly episode.